Hey guys, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. This, I'm, we're in the middle of quarantining here and literally government ordered to stay in the house. So this is my opportunity to do some podcasts and I'm excited about it. This is my, my first love, talking to parents, getting strategies and tactics in front of parents, especially parents who have that child with that uh, extra large personality or a kid from a history of trauma or a really difficult history. So I'm excited about this. This has been busy just trying to make a living and take care of the family, but um, here we go. This is the opportunity to, to do this and to get a chance to talk with you guys for a minute. I'm looking forward to it, and I hope that you are enjoying your time during this quarantine with family as well. Let's get into it. Welcome back to Parent Life. I'm excited you're here. So this is a very interesting time as we have COVID going on around us and most of us are honestly just kind of locked in the house. What what an opportunity though to spend with our kids. What an opportunity to grow a relationship, to to reset. I think I think we kind of know this already intuitively and and it's it's definitely that awareness has been growing in our culture right now that this is this is family time this is a chance to reconnect however i think a lot of people are a little bit awash or adrift on how exactly do i do this well with my kids and i think in the beginning there was just kind of a let's let's lay back and and uh you know just watch watch tv play video games hang out and now there's a little bit more of a oh this might take a little while <laughs> How do we, how do we set some things in place so that so that we are doing a very good job with this time with our kids, and not not allowing this just to be an extended period of, uh, you know, of just kind of nonchalance. This is to me, I see a lot of opportunity to reset in this. This is how we take stock of our lives. We we can look at our interpersonal relationships within our family and with our kids. And we can see where we're at on the continuum, the continuum of life, how we get more and more busy over time. And usually as that happens and we look to accomplish more, relationships are the place that we kind of steal energy from because oftentimes it's safe, right? We, or we're looking at the relationship, we're like, oh, that's going to be around forever. You know, husband, wife, spouse, parent, child, we're, we're going to have a long time. There's always plenty of time in the future to reinvest or repair or strengthen this relationship. And and oftentimes that's that's not true. Or even if it is, as we continually steal from relationships and, and use that energy elsewhere in areas that we think are more urgent, th- the general degradation that happens to the relationship isn't really understood or addressed until significant damage or change has happened. So let's talk about injecting that shot of intentionality into our relationships, specifically to decrease conflict and friction. So these are all from my life as a parent, and they are tried and true. This is, this is the, the cream of the crop, right off the top. For those of you who don't know, my wife and I were house parents for about 10 years to right around 100 kids. Boys, girls, young and old, we raised them all. Sadly, much of what I learned came the hard way. After, I was very frustrated with my relationships and the situations around me. 
So here's the, here's the question. But do you like them? So I've been in a lot of situations where my heart towards a child was love. And I cared about them, but I didn't actually like them in the moment. And a lot of that bit was because how the child was treating me. A lot, most of our kids came from situations of trauma, and they had very poor habits of how they related with adults, especially parent figures. And, and they'd make my life difficult. As we are all thrown in close proximity with our kids for long periods of time due to COVID-19, there are a lot of parents out there who are finding out that they may not actually really like hanging out with their kids, but they still love them. First of all, and this, I totally understand that sentiment. And secondly, it doesn't take very long to change that. Sadly, when our relationships with our kids are doing poorly, it's usually our leadership that is at fault. So we're going to discuss built structure so you can spend your time in more enjoyable and more intera interactive ways. So how is this going to help you help your child? As the parent, you have an energy limit. There's only so much interaction you can take every day. Now, we can all sprint for a while, right? Everyone can go to Herculean efforts for a short period, and they can handle much more than they normally could, as long as it's a limited period of time. This time of quarantine and social distancing doesn't need to be like that. It doesn't need to be Herculean. It can be pleasant. It can be restful. And honestly, it can be one of the great memories of the rest of your life, and especially for your kids. I'm talking about majoring in the majors. We don't want conflict about screen time, food, and bedtimes to ruin this opportunity that we have with our kids. There's a school of thought out there that says if you just love your kids and you bring the right energy and you're creative and fun enough, it's all going to work out. That is not true. Okay, let me repeat. That is not true. If we don't insist on spending our energy the right way, the kids will insist we spend it the wrong way. We are the teachers, we're the parents, we're the leaders, and we will deliberately choose relational investing and then engage in it. Some of you have been asking yourself why you haven't felt connected to your child. You can tell there's a disconnect and you don't understand why. Moments for connection happen during structure. Too much schedule freedom causes a child to focus on pushing for what they want as they don't know what's coming next. Structure allows the child to settle down because they already know what is, what is ahead and that it is immutable. When they are relaxed and not focused on getting something, natural connection happens. This cannot be overstated, and it is the opposite of what a lot of parenting experts are teaching today. So, structured day, what does this look like? A couple general guidelines. Your day should include opportunities for the kids to wear themselves out physically. A clear plan regarding food and snacks that you do not bend due to complaining or fussing. Clear get up and go to bedtimes. Clear lines on when technology is allowed and who is choosing what is on the screens. All of these will drastically reduce the conflict in the home. This allows for better relationships between kids and allows you, parent, to expend your energy on what is important as opposed to managing conflict. Now, the schedule can change. We've all had those moments where we decided that we wanted to allow more screen time or more free time or that we needed to add more reading time. My advice would be don't change it within the week. Let the week play out and then make the schedule for the next week. So here's a couple steps to implement a balanced plan. Take the complaining out of food by having specific meal and snack times. 
other than that, have a hard and fast rule about not eating. Our culture has moved more and more towards the maxim that, if bored, eat. That is a terrible idea, and you will get significantly less complaining if food is tied to specific times in geography. The episode I just did previously basically teaches, helps us to teach kids how to enjoy food and not just make it background noise. Number two, have bedroom times. As house parents, we always had early bedtimes. This facilitated times for my wife and I to connect after a long day. And just as importantly, it gave our young people alone time when they were bored. And there was no option to eat. (laughs) This almost always resulted in reading. If there are enough good books lying around and enough time where kids are bored since they're in bed early, they almost always start reading if reading is a part of life during the day. Have lots of good reading level appropriate books lying around that you know the story of, okay, and you can tease that story. One thing that most kids, most people, in fact, can't resist is a half-told interesting story. When we had reading time or chore time, I was rarely the one-on-one teacher. I was usually just the overseer. I made sure everyone was doing what they were supposed to be doing, and they generally did it at their own speed. Perhaps have chore transition, have chore time transition into reading time or electronic time, as this allows you to work individually with kids while having them redo their chore or learn a new skill. These strategies work with everyone. The dyslexic, the oppositional defiant disorder, ADHD, and the somnolent. Let's talk about expectations for a minute, especially with individualized plans. A lot of parents walk into a structured setting or the idea of setting up structure with kind of this these, this high hopes mentality of we're going to do math for an hour and a half and you know I'm going to see my child improve in their you know their multiplication flashcards or something that you will see stuff like that down the road absolutely however in the beginning the most important part is just to hold to the structure and make sure you're in the right structure Sometimes you got to decrease the time. Sometimes at the end of the day or the end of the week, you realize, you know what, we do need to spend more time on math or whatever it is. So, so that's in the beginning, you're just working on making sure you've got the right structure in place and that the kids are getting used to the time frames of the structure. Okay, over time, once that habit is set and, every, and the structure is rolling, then you start adding in the rest of the stuff. That's, and then it, then it becomes... And then then you really start seeing the gains. Too many parents expect themselves to be creative, loving, fun, patient, and perfect all day long. It's not going to happen. You can have fun with your kids and enjoy your life and be a good parent all at the same time. But you won't if you're too harsh on yourself. In that way, reduce the expectations on yourself. Individualized education and growth takes place within the larger structure. You will find the moments to connect with your kid, but don't sacrifice the structure to do so. Okay, here's, I'm going to give you a big idea here. Be a servant of the structure. Make sure your spouse is on board so that when the kids want to change the structure, you say, well, this is what we as the parents decided, and we're going to be doing this for a while. If you don't give yourself the power to change the structure, the kids will stop asking you to do so. If you treat it as this unbending, unmovable, 
rock, it'll, it'll be there and everyone just accepts it. Okay, a couple, a couple things that we had in our structure consistently whenever we had the kids full-time. And our house would vary between, you know, eight, nine, all the way up to 13 kids at a time. So we'd always have quiet time. And we generally had a quiet time every day when we had the kids full-time. This was true even for our teenagers. Having a break from their peers, and even having a break from the adults telling them what to do, is just good for everyone. It especially allows frustration and or irritation that is built up during the day to subside. So quiet time was a time for no talking. It was for reading and or napping. There were no screens during quiet time. Screens are stimulants. It was isolation as much as possible. Entertainment was not interpersonal or electronic. It was book-based or quiet toys. One of the other things we did every day was have active time. This was a time when we expected the kids to be moving and or playing. Perhaps the park, the basketball court, or the driveway. We had a lake we could walk around at one place. We always had space and outdoor toys available to play with. We also had many who would jump in and others who would find somewhere to sit down immediately. So let's talk about the three different kids, types of kids when it comes to active time. Number one, kids who are high energy all the time. We need to give these kids lots of outside time, even in poor weather, so they can have fun and move around. They're just high energy, they need it. Number two, the low energy kids. They generally endure outside time, but usually with some complaining and whining. We would curtail the verbal recalcitrance and we would encourage them to participate, but if they chose to not participate, that was fine. And we, but we generally knew we were not going to have problems from these kids later because they didn't use their energy. Okay, the third type of kid, and this these kids are the trickiest. Those who are high energy inside and low energy outside. <laughs> they were the most difficult to deal with. They would always want to play and goof around inside, but once we got outside, they acted like their foot was broken. We would attempt to engage these kids in games and play, but they generally immediately act like they can't move once they get outside. So the first move with this type of kid is awareness. We would talk through these situations. We would go through it multiple times, and we help them to be aware of what they are doing. And so when they're energetic and boisterous inside, we address it, and we remind them of the rules. Hey, we're not jumping on the furniture. We're not running in the house, whatever it is. And you point out to them, hey, we, we, we were outside earlier and you didn't want to move around and get your energy out. And now you've got lots of energy. This is especially true when they would receive a consequence in the evening for, you know, just overactivity and not settling down. And then after you have attached the importance of working off energy the proper way outside, we would eventually implement or require more activity. So there were times where we would tell the, the young person, hey, it is required that you walk around the lake twice or the walk around the campus block twice or that you ride your bike a little bit to the gate or and we always give options you know hey you can join basketball with the group or you can walk to the gate um, you know you can uh, take a walk around the lake or you can join us in this game of four square or whatever it was so there's always options on the active time but for this third type of kid it would get to the point where they were required to do something that involved them moving and going so that they could get some of that energy out because we knew that otherwise there was going to be problems later on if they didn't get their energy out. Be creative. Always invite them to join in a game or fun. And, and a lot of times after a little while, 
we would pretty consistently see success with this where they would join in and have fun. Um, but initially, they would just sit down and then it would be a problem later. Make sure you're educating your, your kids on the importance of exercise. And, and we all know this and it's just kind of background noise in our culture right now. But we do need to say this to our kids. Hey, you need to get up. You need to get move. Get moving. This is important. Let's take a break just for a second. And if I could just tell you about our Patreon account, it has every episode archived there, and you can listen to everything you need to. And if you would be willing to consider becoming a patron of Parent Life, we would certainly appreciate it, and it would allow us to get more resources into the hands of more parents, especially those parents that are kind of on the front line who are really working with some of the toughest kids out there and, and putting everything they can into it and really trying to get these kids on a, on a better path for life. So if you would be willing to support us, we would love it and appreciate it. Go check us out. The link is in the show notes. So we had chore time every day. When finished with chores, we would have the young person check in. This is, this is the, the thing that most parents probably don't do, and it's, and it's very important. Before they go and do something else, they need to come check in. They were not allowed to do anything else first. If a kid moves into video games without checking in, and they have to redo their chore for some reason, there will almost certainly be conflict at that point. So if you're off doing something, and the kid just sits down and starts video games, and you come back, you're like, oh, look, you know, the dishes are half done. And you have to get them off video games, right? There's, uh, immediately there's a bad attitude, and, you know, things are going downhill. So you make a priority, like it's just habit, that they may not do anything else once they're done with their chore until they check in with you. It's just how it is. And so that's, you build that habit into them, and then after a little while, it just becomes second nature. I was always adding to the chores, and by this I mean I was making the process a little bit more thorough, a little bit more complete. You, you obviously keep it age-appropriate, and you never make it very difficult right off the bat. And so just over time, you just add little things so that they can get better at this, and they, and also, well, encourage professionalism, and then praise the youth for good work, always imploring them to get better. There's nothing more important to a child than real praise. We all know when we've done something well, actually done it well. And it's important that we recognize that and speak that into our children. There's way too much false praise going on in our culture. You know, just praise for being alive. That we can celebrate people just for them being alive and just for, for being who they are. Absolutely. But kids take it into their, into their psyche, into their being, in a much different way when they have done it, when they have done something important and they've done it well, and we recognize that and say, hey, that was a good job, well done. And it, it's just, it, it's important that we do that. But finally, screen time, and I've done plenty of episodes on screen time in the past. Uh, screen time is best used as a break for you, parent. <laughs> and but just understand it rarely creates anything useful in the child or anything truly helpful. Screens distract and stimulate, but they almost always leave us unfulfilled and wanting more. The same is true for us adults, so be careful. 
don't expect screens to energize you or help you relax or do the same for your kids. They can get your mind off of cares and anxieties for a while, but it is distraction only. Find your own health away from screens and help your children to do so also. Bedtime, the bedtime ritual for us. Well, if you have a ritual and it's working great, great. You know, keep it up. If you don't, bedtime rituals are great for transitioning kids to bed. Our ritual for our bios to this day includes hugs and then a blessing. And I speak a specific blessing over them every night. I, I've done this with our non-bios as well. Some appreciated it and some did not. And so obviously tailor to the child. All right, we would do a good night hug for almost everybody, almost always. Usually even our older teenage boys would hug us. All right, many of them even at 19 years old. And, you know, these are these are some of our kids who came from prison. You know, it'd be like, hey, let's, you know, can I give you a hug? And it was almost always yes. There was one boy, I remember, he he didn't want to be hugged. And every every couple weeks, I'd check in with him again and say, hey, you know, I'm giving everyone else a good night hug. Do you want a hug? It was still no. Okay, that's fine. You know, we, we respect boundaries, gently ask. But it was almost everybody, almost all the time, would give us a good night hug, and we had our, our good night ritual. Now, the kids will attempt to add things to this ritual. Um, maybe, you know, extra drink of water or fussy procrastinating. Have the ritual and stick with it. Right? Whatever you do, do not make it fun or interactive once the ritual is over. Okay? <laughs> because then they're just going to keep engaging in it. Go neutral. Okay? Do not express a whole lot of emotion here. This is neutral. We're not redoing all the hugs. Right, just have the ritual, do it well, and then be done, and teach the child that it's that it's done. So, if you focus on these suggestions while you have extended times with your kids, you will find more time available for creativity and connection. Ideas for creative connection with your kids are all over the internet and in books. What is lacking in our culture right now is an emphasis on structure, hence the focus here. Parent, I give you permission to be different. You have a fantastic opportunity to connect with love and embrace your kids. Don't allow petty conflict and poor structure to derail this time. Step into leadership and create space and opportunity for life. Life is always being nibbled at from the edges as time is stolen from us by travel, programs, work, and anxiety. Take this God-given opportunity to enjoy the greatest blessing we all have, our kids. Your children are life. They are breathing packets of joy that teach us innocence, values, and honesty. Kids are straightforward in what they want. Let us be also. Let us go after life, choosing to pursue the important and not being distracted by the temporal. Let us pursue relationships and give ourselves to this pursuit. Find the heart of your family, parent. Take this opportunity for what it can be, and may your family be forever changed.